Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And um, today, uh, an interesting guest uh, who, like me, has had many careers. And I'm always really fascinated to meet people who've had many careers because I think you get a really interesting perspective. And it sounds like this guy has um, really got done the gamut in the career hopping and moving about and experiencing real life, both what's being thrown at him and what he's actually made happen for himself. So I'm delighted to welcome today uh, Ryan Larson. So good afternoon. Well, it's evening here. So good evening, Ryan. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Pleasure. And I can tell by the accent that you're uh, not from these fair shores. So uh, where in the world are you today? Yeah, I'm coming at you from Arizona, uh, actually Scottsdale. We are in our office today, uh, working hard, uh, just like always. But uh, yeah, we're in the beautiful, sunny state of, uh, of Phoenix. Now, Scottsdale, Arizona, that's famous for something, isn't it? The heat. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of attractions here, actually. Uh, right out our window, we have Camelback Mountain. And interesting enough is um, my job is uh, for the last 21 years has been a firefighter for the city of Phoenix. And uh, right down the road is actually where my station is located. And so Camelback Mountain is one of those mountains where it attracts a lot of uh, people coming from out of state. They love to hike up that mountain and just, you know, uh, you know, explore the, the, the glorious views of, of downtown Phoenix, Tempe, Scottsdale. You could get a 360 degree, you know, look around the valley. So and I run up that mountain. And uh, actually, if people are in trouble, I'm, I'm the first one up there to help them, you know, get them down or, or air evac them off the mountains. Wow. OK, so so um, you're fit. <laughs> I try. I try to stay fit. I'm. I'm 44, and uh, you know, with two kids at home, you know, I'm starting to feel it. But uh, yeah, you know, staying healthy, um, staying young for my kids. My kids are four and one, and I. I want to, you know, make sure that I'm capable of doing everything that they want to do. So uh, eating right, um, working out. That's important to me. And my wife and you know having a good uh you know mindset as well right i've just figured out why i've heard of scottsdale it's yeah. bill and ted's excellent adventure really 
Oh my goodness. And Wayne's World. Is they all they're all based there, aren't they? There's loads of places. Scottsdale. I thought it was um I thought it was South Park or somewhere that was based there. Anyway, wrong, wrong American cultural reference. The trouble is America is you've got lots of places all called the same name, haven't you? So oh, we do. Yeah. yeah. It's always fascinating when you go to America and you say, where are you from? And they always say, New York, New York State. It's like, I mean, how many New Yorks are there? You know? Yeah, only, only one, the Big Apple, right? Yay. So, yeah, I mean, Phoenix is definitely uh, one of those those states that are attracting a lot more people right now just because you know, some of the, the weather issues that other states are experiencing right now. So we're yes. seeing a big influx. Yeah, great. So how long have you been in the fire world? A fire service, I should say, right? Fire world. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been a firefighter for 21 years and I kind of um, started with a becoming a fire explorer, which is like, you know, where you come out of high school, you don't really know what you want to do with your life. And I found this explorer program and it, it really starts to mold you uh, not just to become a fireman, just a good citizen, right? A, a good human being. Um, you know, I, I was, my, my upbringing was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit of a tough one. You know, I, I got in a lot of street fights. I was, uh, you know, not the best kid. And, um, I think that was just my environment at that time, but what mm. the Explorer program did is it really developed me into, um, a good leader, a good advocate for, you know, the, the clients that I run on and, and making sure I'm, you know, a voice for them. And, and now my clients who work with me through the financial service, which is my second career now. So. So it's always interesting to talk to people who've been in, we call it the blue light community over here, or um, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's what it's called over there, but I guess it must be, it's just called a blue siren over there because it's so noisy, isn't it? But uh, they always talk about the um, the physical rigour. Mm -hmm. uh, they talk about the structure, the sense of clarity, knowing what you have to do, knowing your role, but actually you've got to use your brain as well, haven't you? And um, I think are people, I don't think people understand that. So maybe I want you to talk a bit about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, being a firefighter is not just about running into a burning building and putting, you know, wet stuff on the red stuff, right? It's, it's about, you know, understanding your environment, knowing, you know, the structure uh, of, or, or what you're going into. So, you know, we're, we're trained to really use all our senses, you know, our eyes, um, our ears, I mean, even our, our, our touch, right? Um, if we go up to a door and it's, you know, really, really hot, I mean, it's going to kind of trigger some of those other senses to say, okay, this might not be the smartest thing to do uh, to go in this front door. So we might have to change tactics and, um, you know, maybe fight the fire in a, you know, a different location or go around the back of the house from the unburned side. But yeah, it really develops you into a, um, a good thinker using your skills um, to see the dangers. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important because there's, you know, there's, there's dangers around every corner. That's what they say. Right. Mm. So, so that way of thinking about the future plotting, analyzing effectively what you're doing is you're just doing major risk management all the time in your head, aren't you? So planning contingencies and mitigations as you walk through a building or however it might be. I mean, I use those or we use those uh, toolkits in um, anxiety management, for example, 
They transfer yeah. very nicely over, don't they? So I just wonder if there's any other things that the fire service do in terms of think teaching you to think like a leader. I just wonder what other things transfer nicely over to the, the non-firefighting world. Well, I think, I mean, getting out into the community and, and you know, uh, speaking about fire safety and, you know, just having good uh, communication skills, right? And that's what has led me to, you know, kind of the gentleman that I am today. I mean, when I started out as a young, as a young firefighter and a young man, um, I didn't have the best communication skills. And what, what the fire department has done for me is to really articulate my words as, <laughs> as best as I can. You know, I, I struggled in school and um, sometimes I don't know, you know, what words to use and, you know, how to enunciate things, but, you know, it's, it's trial by fire. Right. And yeah. we, we want to become better, you know, um, communicators uh, in our prof professional and personal lives. So yeah. I think that's what it's brought out a lot better, you know, it's brought it's brought out that um, those those skills of just communicating to the person I'm talking to better. Yes, and of course we talk about resilience all the time here. But what's interesting about your world is you're going into places. You're seeing a day a day can be I don't know rescuing a cat from a tree uh, through to right. dealing with a massive office fire uh, or whatever yeah. that might be. Uh, you must be. You must. Have, you must get more experience at dealing at that sort of trauma side of things. Do you think, therefore, as life goes on, do you become less traumatized by stealth because you've you've got coping strategies, or if you don't, does it build and build and build so you have some sort of I was going to say burnout, but you know what I mean, some sort of uh, more mental cata catastrophe later in life? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great kind of topic or, or a segue into, I mean, there, you know, we as firefighters see a lot, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we average, let's say 10 to 15 calls per shift. Um, we're up all night. So we have, you know, sleep deprivation and we come home and we have to take care of kids or, yeah. um, you know, we have to juggle another career to make, you know, our, our income, uh, uh, you know, meet our expenses. Right. Um, and you definitely need to, to cope some way. So there's this mental aspect of how do I cope with things? Yeah. Um, you can't just, you know, kind of tuck everything under the bed, right? We, you know, we see a lot of tr traumatic things and through the years, I mean, you, you do become a little bit desensitized, right? but, um, I think if you don't talk to people and if you don't um, really just lower that wall that, you know, us guys or, you know, even gals like put up, um, you know, oh, we're the strong macho firefighter or police officer or whatever public, you know, service worker that you're, that you're in. I mean, if we don't, you know, break down that wall and show our true feelings, mm -hmm that's where that mental, mental struggle is going to happen. Um, we need to talk to people. That's the biggest takeaway to, to kind of this whole conversation right now is, is, you know, we see a lot of stuff and we need to share it. And if we don't share it, we lock it away and it makes us maybe um, a little bit more bitter in life or, right. or you know, uh, maybe even angry. In, in life is the word because we've seen so much of you know the worst of people sometimes yeah um as well as the best so yeah 
Yeah, it's interesting because there's a big sort of push, isn't there, about sharing our feelings and talking to everybody left, right and centre. Um, and I've always been an advocate that men and women process this stuff differently. And what you ha- what you hear is this narrative of you've got to talk to people, you've got to talk to people, which is, which is great. You know, it works brilliantly for women. But I often think it works differently for men because we talk to each other in different... It's not that saying we shouldn't talk, but we yeah. talk about stuff in a different way. I mean, classically, you never look a man in his eye when he's telling you his feelings. You know, it's better to stand side by side with them and do a task. You know, classically, people talk about the feelings when they're playing golf or pool or snooker, but they tend not to be that great sitting in a, a round table or, you know, a gestalt group or something along those lines. So, so I'm just, given that your experience is, is this blend of, I guess, very dark humour, because, I mean, I, I work with the Blue Light Police and, you know, some of the jokes they tell are quite... Hair, I was going to say hair-raising, I got none left through to this idea of actually having to share. So I just wondered how, whether you use these things as a conscious range. And actually, if you do use the talking thing, how does that actually work for you? Yeah, at the tables, I mean, when we're talking to kind of our brothers and sisters around the table, we we do sometimes, like you said, use that dark humor um, to kind of get us through these sensitive, you know, uh, these sensitive calls that we go on yeah so yeah there is that coping mechanism of of you know maybe making fun of things and not saying that you know it it didn't affect us and it's not it i mean it it hurts right to see people in their worst moments right but we have to have some sort of dialogue between us and i think you know that's where the the conversations it happens at the table. It's very intimate, right? And these are, these don't go outside the walls, but you know, we have to bring a little bit of lightheartedness yeah. to that profession because it's such a, a stressful, you know, profession, especially in, in these days right now with 2020, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that are going on in the world that we, that we yeah. have to manage. We yes. have to cope with. And I have to ask you this, and I, and I apologize for this terrible question. Uh, and I'm ashamed of myself asking this, but you know, I've watched Chicago Fire and <laughs> Backdraft draft and all yeah, the great yeah. fire films. I'm a bit of a, a fire nut. Is there any 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 sort of truth in any of these American fire service um, TV programs? Gosh, you know, I I would probably say it doesn't align like it happens, you know, on the street, yeah. right? Um, it's interesting because with Chicago fire, I guess they have a lot of Chicago firefighters, you know, uh, in those roles, yeah, right? So you have the main actors and then you got some of those, you know, uh, firefighters who kind of know those skills and they can make it look real. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, uh, you don't see many backdrafts. I've never seen a backdraft in my 21 years. Um, uh, you know, I've seen some really, you know, and, and I've been in some really big battles with fires, but I never had that moment of like, oh my gosh, that, that door is expanding and it's going to blevy. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting watching those. I kind of get it. Uh, and then having out. an affair with 17 people around the back of the fire station <laughs> out on a regular right. basis. But, right. but, you just, but you said something just sort of in passing, which um, I didn't, didn't escape me, which is you've, you've sort of got to have a second income to be able to afford to live. So being a firefighter is not enough. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where kind of the the financial or the the investment guy comes out in me. You know, 
us firefighters, we, we tend to spend more than we make, right? Um, we, we love boats. We love motorcycles. We love, you know, encrusting, you know, <laughs> our girlfriend, our wives, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I mean, we, we're hardworking, you know, uh, blue collar Americans, right. That are just trying to put food on the table. And, and sometimes with obviously what's going on in the economy, inflation, all that good stuff right now, you know, things are getting tough. So on a firefighter's, you know, dime, I mean, you know, we make a modest income, but you know, we're not, we're not millionaires by any stretch of the means. Um, I guess you retire already, Dave. We, we, we do have that opportunity to retire at, at 20 years. So me being a 20 year, 21 year veteran, um, I could leave right now if I wanted to, but it's that stability of the fire department. Um, the, the, you know, I guess the guaranteed income that's coming in every two weeks. Right. And then the the pension that's going to come in at the end of the day. But, um, you know, a lot of, you know, men and women do have side hustles, you know, whether it's carpentry construction, because we, you know, we're ultimately good workers, we're hard workers, but we just want to supplement, you know, our, our living expenses and, you know, our lifestyle with, with just more money. Yeah. But also if you're transitioning from one career to another, it makes sense to begin the second career before you finish the first. So actually, you know, you don't start your, so I noticed you started your own business and um, I'm sure you're going to tell us a bit about that, but you know, it's prudent to be getting, especially if it's your own business, it's prudent to be getting started earlier rather than later. So, so tell us about the decision to move into the sort of financial services area, because you've gone for almost one of the most respected professions I won't say the least going to the least. I'm not going to say the least respected, yes, but, but yes. it's a very, very differently respected. So I'm just intrigued how you made that, that decision. It really is. I mean, there is a little bit of, you know, like a shadow over this whole financial world. Right. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, sometimes when we have these, you know, big dips in the market, these financial advisors or, or asset managers, they get a bad light uh, or, you know, in the, and you have those salespeople out there um, that sometimes look out for their best interest versus the client's best interest. So yeah. to, to, to answer your question, how I got into the, the financial arena, if you will, is I had um, a really exciting experience turned bad in 2008. Uh, in about 2006, I invested into a high rise condo. Um, it was, uh, it was right down the road from where I grew up as a kid and it was a 12 story building. Um, and me and my brother invested in to this high rise condo and we paid around $800,000. So wow. it was definitely an investment that we were looking to, uh, cash in on because of, you know, the growth, the, the, the real estate market at that time. But in 2008, you know, um, mm, just like know. a lot of other people, it yeah. bit us in the butt. And so we lost a lot of money. We stayed in there for about two years. We, we managed to stay in there and, but it just, it was a kind of an endless feat, if you will. Yeah. And luckily I had a rental, uh, you know, that I was, that I bought when I was in my twenties, you know, so very, uh, I bought it right when I got hired with the fire department. So I could have went there, but my girlfriend, who's my wife, at, you know, now, um, we, we decided to use her, I guess, credit to buy our home. Oh, so that man, that allowed me to kind of get through this big depression, like, you know, atmosphere that we were experiencing in 2008. Um, and 
before that, I was actually investing in Forex, foreign currency. Yeah. So that's where the money came from, in addition to my fire, or fire department income, mm. to make this down payment on this $800,000 condo. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the mortgage on that also. So that's where it was coming from is through the investments that I was making, doing trading, and then the financial service as well. So, so it was the plan to exit the fire service and move into the financial world full time. Is that the is that the goal? Yeah, that's that's this, that's the goal for sure. Um, I manage a lot of like public service workers' money, which oh. is just a good you know niche, if you will. Um, so that's how I kind of built my book. So you know, going to work ten days a month. Um, we would have these conversations at the dinner table, lunch table about me doing, you know, this, this investing and they would become interested. And then I would start to manage, you know, the, my, you know, my coworkers money. And so I had a lot of like, you know, I, I wouldn't say stress, but I mean, there was a lot of eyes looking at me Yeah, and, and making sure that. I wasn't just your typical, you know, salesman who comes into the fire station and sells you on a, you know, mutual fund and then walks out the door and just collects their fees. Right. Yeah, yeah. I had an obligation of, of really accumulating their wealth, you know, uh, you know, accomplishing their goals. And so I take that very seriously and, yeah. and I build my own portfolios and I manage them. And it's uh, it's a lot different than some of the big brokerage houses that, a lot of people are, you know, working through or working in right now. Yeah, because you've got a reputation, I'm guessing, built on being a firefighter and you're yeah. working with those people. And, you know, to you, you can't let those people down because they're going to depend on you and you're going to depend on them in yeah. your current job. Oh, it's fascinating, really. Exactly. So so I know you've written a book. So tell us a little bit about the, the book and the motivation for this and who's it for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a memoir for sure. Um the book was, you know, I started writing the book in 2020 when kind of, you know, the, the world shut down, if you will. And I kind of needed an outlet because, you know, our business started slowing down and, and I was like, I wanted to share my story, um, you know, being resilient, right. Of, of, of making, you know, critical steps in life to achieve your goals. Mm. And I think the book allowed me to you know, really put my thoughts on paper and share my story of how you can be resilient. Because when I was very young, I wasn't a good student. I was in resource, but that does, that didn't limit me from accomplishing all the goals in my life. So being a firefighter was my first goal. I've, I accomplished that, right? Um, that was a struggle in itself. And I shared that part of that struggle becoming a firefighter, passing the tests, getting mm. good grades on those tests, being a good, you know, interviewer. So being a, you know, having those communication skills that I talked about earlier, earlier on. And, and, um, you know, I managed to come out number one on, on some of the, you know, biggest fire department lists, uh, out there. Um, and that's a, that's a feat in itself. And so when you set your mind to something, you could accomplish that. And that's what this book is designed to do is, is to give you that inspiration, 
uh, you know, to be resilient about, you know, what you can do in this life. And I talk about my transition with the fire department and into the financial arena. Yeah. And I share some really cool stories, you know, some, some, you know, close calls, if you will, with a couple, you know, crazy fires that I was on and, and why we're different in the financial space um, versus some of those other advisors that you might be talking to right now. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds, it sounds great. To, it's really such a, a peculiar jump to make, isn't it? It's, so there's obviously a part of your personality that being a fireman, a fire person, I should say, a firefighter, yeah. that wasn't enough. It was there was another aspect to your brain that was being left fallow, you know, during those years. And you've had all this potential that you've managed to you pick up on. Because I find that fascinating with people who do different, different careers. They often have quite a multifaceted sort of brain. Where some people, you know, are perfectly happy to do one thing all the time and good luck to them. But, um, you know, there's something in your wiring that's given you this ability to to have more than one way of looking at the world. I think it's quite fascinating. Do you think, do you I mean, do you credit the firefighting service for helping in any way to, to become good at financial services? <sighs> Other than discipline, because I imagine yeah. discipline is quite important. You know, I think... That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm kind of like just digesting that in my brain and I don't know, I, I don't know if it, if it has really helped. Right. I mean, it's helped in um, making sure that I'm doing the right thing, right. Yeah. All the time. So advocating for my client, did it give me the proper skills to be a good financial advisor? You know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. I think just like you said, my wiring, you know, is a little bit different. I, I, I pride myself, I pride myself on, on a, trying to accomplish the, uh, things that sometimes are out of reach, yeah. right. The unimaginable. Yeah. And when I don't accomplish those, I get really upset. I get, I get down on myself and I, and I tell myself like, Ryan, you can do this. You're, you're, you're good enough to accomplish these goals. They're not yeah. unachievable. So it's just, it's about hard work. And, and maybe that's where the fire department comes into play a little bit more is about, um, it was very difficult for me to pass these tests and become a fireman, but I stayed, you know, I stayed focused. I stayed humbled. I believed in myself. Um, so maybe that was the foundation that led me into the financial arena is just knowing, you know, to stay resilient and continue, you know, jumping over these hurdles that will get you to another level in life. Yeah. And that's fascinating, isn't it? Because given you sort of came into this saying, I wasn't a good kid. I didn't do that well. If you brought, but you've obviously brought something into becoming a firefighter and being able to pass the exams because you weren't a firefighter at that point. You weren't in the influence of it. So somehow something was there and yeah. you've obviously had this ability to have the grit to sort of persevere so you yeah. better tell us how to how to get our our um pause on your your mighty tome so tell us where to find this book yeah um if your listeners want to go to ladder to leader book.com um they could they could find the book there they could also go on any you know major uh, walmart amazon book uh um dealership um and they could get it there as well but uh ladder to leader book uh, dot com is really where 
you get a sense of who I am as a person. You can kind of get uh, what the book is about. And also um, it will share a little bit about my passions about becoming a public speaker. So um, I'm trying to get out in that, you know, space uh, to share my story, to be, um, you know, outspoken about the financial industry, the, you know, how the fire department led me into, you know, these great things. Um, and you'll find it all there. Um, and so then obviously you could go to, uh, Ryan underscore Lars, L-A-R-Z, um, on Instagram, if they want to kind of follow my story and, uh, yeah, some, some good little tidbits there. Brilliant. Well, there you are a tale of, um, some interesting fiery type stuff and some career change and some different ways of thinking about the world. I think it's been absolutely brilliant. So Ryan, thank you so much for spending time with us this evening. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And you take care. Hi everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.